0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710 710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday, August 20th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Your Seattle Mariners are 10 games above five hundred for the first time all year after completing a sweep by the skin of their teeth yesterday against the Texas Rangers. It did not need to get as close as it did. I have been whining about this with pretty much every single Mariner game against the Rangers of late. I should take the good, though, and I'm going to try to only talk about the good. We'll put Diego Castillo on the back burner. Ty France was awesome yesterday. He goes three for six. He had an awesome play in the 10th inning that got the Mariners out of a jam. One of the weirdest double plays you'll ever see where Ty France jumps high to save a ball from that Abraham Toro had thrown from potentially going into the stands, sets his feet, fires the ball to third base, and you get a tag out at third base, and then... In the top of the 11th inning, he did this. And the one nothing pitch. DeFrance swinging a shot deep to left field. Martin going
1: back, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Viva La France tie France with a two-run home run in the top of the 11th inning. A line shot homer, his 13th of the year, and the Mariners have the lead. 9-7 to here in the top of inning, number 11.
0: Oh, oh j'aime ça beaucoup. So, they win 9-8. to Hold on, because, look, it's it's been tough in the bullpen of late. Good job by Paul Seawalt, who came in for the Mariners for a third straight game and help them get out of yet another mess. It's great to have someone like that in the bullpen for Seattle, especially now that Kendall Graveman is a member of the Houston Astros, who the Mariners are about to play. Scott Service, after the game, was asked about this team and about a team meeting that they'd had afterwards. and It's cool to see emotion coming out of people who you don't expect to see it out of. Just me personally letting them know, yeah.
2: You know, how proud I am of this group. It's a, it's a special group. It really is. That's a long day. So, uh, pardon me for getting a little emotional, but I really love this team. I really do.
0: I love this team, too. And I know that I have been flip-flop McGee when it comes to these guys as far as what I think they actually can do. But forgive me, I am a spoiled sports fan. And for me, I, I you know, I, I want to watch a playoff team again. And going through the rebuild, just like you guys have been going for 20 times as long as I have, I get a little antsy. Kind of want to press the fast-forward button, the Super Sim feature that you can do in baseball video games. But Service talking about just the way that this team is, it's a reason to believe that they can do the unthinkable. He talked about that incredible character as the press conference continued.
2: Um, you know, as I told the team after the game, um, the character that we show day in, day out, it's really incredible. It would have been so easy to just pull up, uh, you know, pack up the tents. You know, it's not our day. We gave it up and just pack it in. And we don't do that. Uh, credit to all of our guys, you know, on the mound. Uh, it's a big at-bats late in the game. And we're able to get out of here to sweep and, and head to Houston. So it wasn't easy. End of the day, it's a W and uh, we'll take it.
0: He said no team packs up the tents, but that can't be true about any baseball team over the course of an 162 game season, it is human nature from time to time to run into a serious situation, and all of a sudden find yourself asking the question: Wait, how the heck are we going to move past this? The Kendall Graveman trade was a moment like that for the Astros. Or excuse me, for the Mariners after they traded him to the Astros, and it was a moment where I remember thinking to myself: This team has to find a way to move on and move on quickly because that's what veteran baseball teams do. There are going to be more trades in the years to come, made by Jerry DePoto, assuming he is still in charge, because this is not a finished product, at least at this point in time. To their credit, since that series against Houston, they have. They have bounced back. And after riding that high that came after the Dylan Moore Grand Slam to complete an improbable comeback in the first game of that series against Houston to wrap up the month, now about 25 days later, they have a chance... To potentially shock Houston. Take two out of three. My question for you today on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. We're going back to the Mariners' Sunshine Scale. One through ten. What is your confidence level in the Mariners heading into this weekend series against Houston? So while you load up your answers on that, I'm going to give you mine. I am at a 4.9999998 which sounds like I'm riding the fence. And guess what? Yeah, I am. I'm too much of a coward to pick the Mariners to win a three-game series against the big, bad Houston Astros, who I do believe are the best team in the American League. And you saw how the last series went. Seattle lingered, as they have been doing, just about all year. And in all of those games, there was a moment where it looked like Seattle could potentially punch their way back into the game. And they, of course, did that in the first game of the series. But Houston was walloping them. With run after run after run. However, there are several differences this time around that have me feeling a little bit more confident in this team's ability to potentially go down there and take two or three. As I said before, they lingered in that series in all three of those games. You're also not going to see McCacken on the hill who started that first game for Seattle and did not do so well. Especially the first two innings, where the Houston Astros took a massive lead. You've now got coming up over the next three games: Yusei Kikuchi, who has been at times great this year, maybe not so much of late; Logan Gilbert, who looked great his first couple months, but maybe is starting to get figured out, at least based off of what we saw of him Sunday against the Blue Jays. And you have Tyler Anderson starting. Anderson has been the model of consistency all year long. So you got better starters. For this three-game set. Not the best ones. You don't have Marcos starting. You don't have Chris Flexen starting. But Flexen didn't do so well against the Astros the last time that these two teams played. Yusei Kikuchi was solid against them last time around. Is he going to be able to be a little bit more than that? Is he going to be, perhaps, the way that he was the second time around against New York? Where it felt like he was a little bit more confident. The first time around against New York, Ugh, didn't look so good. Abraham Toro is in as a second baseman the whole series. He had the pinch hit home run in the second game of that series. He has been pretty consistent since making himself a regular part of the Mariners' everyday lineup at second base. Jared Kelnick has been much better at the plate of late, too. So you look at him, a guy who I would imagine is definitely riding a much more confident horse as they head into this series against Houston, and you feel like he's going to be better in this one. And the biggest reason as far as the Mariners that I feel like things could could be different this time around against Houston. Is Mitch Haniger really going to go one for fourteen in that series again? He went one for fourteen in that three-game set against Houston. I'm hoping that yesterday, where Mitch Haniger did go yard, is going to be a start for Haniger to bust out of a slump that he's in been in for for quite a bit of time. You know, it's been a couple of weeks where he has not looked like the guy that we've saw, we've seen for the most part this year, the guy who's Definitely, I would say, pound for pound, the Mariners' best player. Is he going to be able to catch fire again? Hopefully, at the very least, just don't be as bad as you were last time around. And then, there's the Houston side of things. And I threw this question out there, and, I, and some of my Houston followers responded. And they aren't feeling as that, that great about this series. For what it's worth, sometimes a fan base can tell you a whole lot about where a team is. Alex Bregman, still out. Kyle Tucker, still out. Their starter, Jose Urquidy, still out. They got Jacob Wilson starting games. This is a series that's an opportunity for Seattle. And while I am not super confident in their chances to take two or three against Houston, I do think it is possible. And last time around, I would not have told you that. Just being totally honest with you. But 710, 10 7-10 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line, 1-10. through 10, What is your confidence level in the Mariners, we'll get to some of your responses. 10-15, you get to be heard. 206-421-3776. We're also giving away some Seahawks tickets, huh? How about that? Over the course of the show, we got Dave Wyman joining me in the sports pit to talk about tomorrow night's preseason matchup against the Denver Broncos, another team that Wyman had once played for. But right now, it's 10-15. Excuse me, ten ten. I can't read clocks. Uh, this hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Don't laugh at me, more, Maura Mora Dooley. She brings it. With what's trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air, every single morning. Let's go.
3: Hi, Maura. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you as well. Paul.
0: I'm not going to sing the Rebecca Black song, but I'm thinking about it. Thank
3: you. I appreciate that. You're
0: welcome. No dabs. No No Rebecca Black Fridays. We're going to (laughs) be professional and we're going to be serious going into this. This this
3: is this is a playoff
0: baseball esque performance. Desiring that, I don't know what I'm saying right now, but I want to play off caliber performance this weekend, so I'm going to try to approach things in my Hawaiian shirt as businesslike as possible.
3: Okay, all right. Or I serious. mean, it is like it's a black
0: yes. shirt,
3: a Hawaiian shirt, so it's not it, It's not as loud. As it's the least the
0: loud of my tropical yeah. shirts. You were right on that, More.
3: <laughs> all right, first up, the Seahawks officially welcome fans back to Lumen Field on Saturday night. They host the Broncos with kickoff being at 7 right here on 710 ESPN.
0: I'm so happy that people are going to get to go back to the games because even if it is a preseason game, there's nothing quite like going to a football game with friends, throwing a couple back. And I'm curious as to how loud things get. Obviously, this isn't a real football game. We're probably not going to see a whole lot of players of consequence in it. I'm skeptical that we will see any of the first team players on offense. I'd like to be wrong, but I kind of get why they wouldn't put them in there just given some of the limitations that they have on the offensive line. The thing I'm going to be looking at the most is the cornerback battle. I want to see Hugo Amati continue to do what he has been doing in camp. He's making the most of the opportunity that he has with Marquise Blair injured. Or at the very least being kept to the side because they don't want to risk any re-aggravation of the torn ACL that he suffered less than a year ago. But on the outside, okay, DJ Reed, he's got the groin injury. Is Trey Flowers going to make the most of this opportunity? On the other side of things, Trey Brown has been getting a lot more work recently. This is a guy that John Schneider said going into the draft, excuse me, coming out of the draft, was a top 10 prospect. Had he been a little bit taller, is he going to be able to perhaps win a battle against Akella Witherspoon? I think things are open. That first preseason game did not really help Witherspoon out that much, at least in my humble opinion. And I think he's going to have to be better this time around. He has been good in the past. With Flowers, you know he's your backup corner. Witherspoon is a guy that has very, very high highs. The lows are also very low. This is a big-time one for him because, as we heard just a little bit ago with Tyler Columbus, you're going to see the Denver Broncos' first-team offense out there. This isn't a Nathan Peterman game. Drew Locke is Drew Locke, yeah, that's true, but Jerry Judy and some of the other Bronco wide receivers out there That's a pretty good test for these Seahawks corners.
3: Yeah, they they have some talent at receiver. Cortland Sutton is really good, too. Um, I know he mentioned K.J. Hamler. um, But they said that they may name their starting quarterback after this game. So you would have to imagine that they're not going to go out there and look like a lot of teams do in the preseason.
0: That's right. And and here's the other thing, too, more about this. I'm not a big Teddy Bridgewater fan, but you're going to see a lot more starting caliber quarterback play in this game than you probably wouldn't any other one because if it's a quarterback battle between these two i mean you got two guys that i would imagine are going to be giving it their all to try and get that gig so we'll see how it goes but that's good for the seahawks defense which i think needs to be tested as we get into the regular season
3: and I don't think we'll expect to see many starters on offense again, but Pete Carroll did say they expect Rashad Penny to play, so I'm looking to see how he performs.
0: I like that. That's true. That's a good point because we have not seen him in full contact. And if you're coming off of a knee injury like Penny had, I'm of a big belief that you need a couple of moments where you're like, oh, whoa. And he's had a couple of moments like that in training camp, but I do think he's been a little tentative out there. Which is understandable. I, I'm not knocking him for that. It's anyone who has had a serious injury, especially to a knee or to, a, to an ankle or something like that, you, of course you're going to be a little bit delicate on it at first. But you need, you need to get back out there. And I want to see if he actually has that explosive burst that he at one point certainly did. In 2019, he was a very good player before that injury suffered, which is why I will not call him a bust.
3: All right, our next trending story is Washington State head football coach Nick Rolovich uh, spoke with the media yesterday following Governor Jay Inslee's vaccine mandate that requires all state employees working in educational roles from K through 12 all the way to higher education to be vaccinated by October 18th. This is what he said with the media.
1: I plan on following his his mandate for sure.
3: Are you going to wait until the FDA approves the vaccine to get it or are you planning on getting it soon?
1: I'm just going to follow his mandate, Brenna.
3: Have you talked to any of your other staff members about what their plans are that, that are unvaccinated right now?
1: Um, I, I believe they all plan on following the mandate. Um, it it's, uh, it's, it's what the deal is.
0: There's been a lot of overanalysis out of this, and I actually want to give Rolovich credit for trying to keep things as short and simple as possible, as he did the first time that he was asked about vaccinations. He said, look, I respect people that get vaccinated. I'm not against vaccines or anything like that. And I'm not going to get into reasons as to why I'm not getting the vaccine. This mandate comes out and things change a little bit. And while I I believe there are uh, religious and medical exemptions that you can put out there, I just based off of reading some of the language of this mandate, I I think it's going to be a little bit stricter. I don't think it's going to be so easy to potentially get away from it. So I think Rolovich is sort of implying that he's not thrilled about it. But when I hear him say that he's going to follow the mandate, I'm just going to take it as I think he's going to get the he's going to get pricked, if you will, which is what everyone is saying these days. And I, I, I think criticism afterwards, which we have been seeing some, do we need to keep it going? I don't. If he's getting it, he's getting it. And I think in, a, in the eyes of a lot of people, they want that to happen. In the eyes of other people, they're like, really, the government's able to force this person to do something like this, and that's. United States of America, divided as ever. There you go. But hopefully we can move on from this because this that storyline to me, and there's, a, there's a piece in the Seattle Times where, oh, he's a mum on it. And I'm like, come on, let's, let's just move on, right? Seems like he's going to follow what he's being asked to do. Whatever. There you go. Politics from uh, Paul Galant right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. 710, 710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also call in 206-421-3776. What's Trending brought to you by Kings Heating and Air every single afternoon, morning, morning, afternoon at 1010-206-421-3776. Again, the question of today's show. What is your confidence level in the Seattle Mariners heading into this weekend's series against the Houston Astros? Your chance to be heard is right now.
3: Your voice. Your
2: opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be her.
0: 7, 10, 7 10. You say something mean, you can cut right to the front of the line on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Paul, you need a haircut, man. You look like Animal from the Muppets. Here's one of the frustrating things about the wedding that I'm going to this weekend in uh, Milwaukee. I go to this place, Valiant Barber, which is uh, Queen Anne. sort of by Key Arena. Excuse me. Climate Pledge Arena. And you got to schedule well in advance. And for the second straight wedding that I'm going to, I... Did not schedule well in advance, and I'm getting my haircut basically like two days after the wedding. So, dumb job by me. I agree. It does. It is a little bit long right now. A little bit long. Another text. <laughs> Paul, your Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> You're trying to be a local wearing a black Hawaiian shirt. Another. Paul, your Aloha shirt doesn't really look like an Aloha shirt. Go look up Missing Polynesia for some real Aloha shirts. So, I appreciate the uh, comments on my appearance today. 710710 710 is the Back of Jack's Brewing Company text line. My confidence level, a 4.9999998. Text, two and one-tenth. The number of years since they made... Oh, wait. 21 out of 10? The number of years since they made the playoffs? Wow, that's really confident. Assuming I am reading that right. Uh, Another text, as far as the number. I have an 11. I have the utmost confidence in this team. Mariners winning two out of three. writes another texter. Book it. Wow. 206 421 3776. That is how you call in to the Paul Gallant show. We got a couple of people waiting on hold. Let's go to Joseph in Tacoma. Where are you at on the Mariners Sunshine Scale, Joseph? Uh, Well, morning, Paul. First morning. off, uh, right now, I'm probably at about a six and a half to Ooh.
2: seven, which, okay. is, which is higher than it would normally be going into a Houston series, but. I do believe that if the Mariners want a realistic shot at the playoffs this year, it's not Oakland they need to worry about. They need to beat Houston. We need to let Houston know we're coming for them.
0: I don't That's know about be the team. I, I appreciate the phone call, Joseph. I, I don't know if you want to let them know you're coming necessarily, but I I do want to establish with them that this is not 2018. This is not 2019. This is not this is not the years of the of the past. Because this team has owned you. So, I, I get where you're going with this. I do think whatever happens against Oakland is more important. Because Oakland is the team that I really could see falling apart. Houston's good. If they missed the playoffs, I would be shocked. I suppose it's possible. I think they got a 93% chance of, of, of making the playoffs right now. you got nine games left against them. Six of them are in Houston. And you're done playing them September 8th. So, uh, out of your next five series, excuse me, six series, half of them are against Houston. And then you got it out of the way. I think you got to win, if you're going to make the playoffs, at least two of these series. And I don't think it's about showing you, hey, like I'm here. This is literally just about we need to beat them to make sure that you keep pace with Oakland, with Toronto, with New York. There's a lot of teams in the wild card race right now. Boston, who's all of a sudden fallen back into it too. So it's more about that. And, and I think you have to go into the series too, looking at Houston as if they are any other baseball team which I know is one of those cliches that you constantly hear coming out of football. Oh, it's just another game, you know. You've got to respect every single team in the league. Well, y- you can't respect a team too much. And I would specifically point to Yusei Kikuchi with that. Because Kikuchi's a guy that every now and then he seems a little deferential with some of the better teams out there. Which I understand, but he's got to be- have confidence in his stuff. He's a good pitcher. 206-421-3776. Robert is in Kingsgate. Robert, what's going on?
2: Oh, Paul, thanks for taking my call. Um, To answer your question, I have a two, and I have three reasons why. Um, One, the Mariners' relief pitching is way too inconsistent. Two, the Mariners' hitters disappear against good teams. And number three is the critical one. Lack of experience in critical games, lack of veterans who have been in this position, and both GM and manager have never been in playoff baseball. This is, to me, I consider kind of like the closest thing the Mariners are going to get to playoff baseball because we're fighting for a chance to get into a wild card game. And I don't see a veteran on this team that's going to really propel us to that need. And I don't see the GM and the manager oh, yeah, having the good. experience like Lou Pinella, the only manager to get a, a Mariners team in the playoffs and deep in the playoffs. So cool down the expectations this year. We ain't doing nothing this year. This year is just see and wait and see what they're going to do next year.
0: Robert, Robert, Robert. You can't always hold every single person in the Mariners up to the extremely high standard that Lupinella set. You just can't. I mean, if you're going to do that, you're always going to be dissatisfied. And while to a degree, I agree with Robert from the standpoint of They have not done great against teams that I would consider to be the most talented in baseball, regardless of the the statistics. I would point to specifically San Diego, even though they're kind of falling apart in the wild card race, New York, and to this point, Houston, though they did win a series earlier this year. But they have had experience this year against good teams, and they have done well against them, starting with the first series of the year. Against San Francisco, splitting series with LA, splitting a series with Boston. A little bit further down the road, two or three against Oakland a couple of times thus far. Tampa Bay, four game sweep through the defending American League champs. Two or three against Chicago. Two or three multiple times against the Toronto Blue Jays. The only teams this year that they have, I think, regularly had trouble with are Houston. In New York, the A's, the Rays, the Blue Jays, they're doing well in those games. Mitch Hanniger, I feel like that's a guy that could be on the verge of potentially getting back to his old self. That's somebody I look at as a potential veteran presence that that Robert seems to think that they lack. And I'd also point to, to Kyle Seager with the way he's been hitting recently. I'm not going to act like I believe the Mariners are going to win this series. I'm not. But they are playing at a level right now and are on a cloud of momentum, a nimbus of momentum, just flying along on that one. That makes me feel like against a Houston team that is not playing its best baseball of late, that they could potentially steal this one. They're going to have to prove it on the field. I don't think this is hopeless. You shouldn't either. Have some good Friday energy. I even have it today. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. We go in the sports pit next. Our training camp coverage presented by Precore Home Fitness. From training camp to preseason game number two, Dave Wyman's going to tell us all about it and what to expect out of the defense next.
2: It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the
1: sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going to fail. With Paul Gallant.
0: Before we get to Dave Wyman in the sports pit, guess what? Free stuff! Yeah! We want to send one of you to the August 28th Seahawks preseason game. Call 206 421 3776 or 866 979 3776 in one minute if you're listening on the radio or 30 seconds if you're on the stream. Caller number three, Russell Wilson, will win two tickets to see the Seahawks host the Los Angeles Superchargers, August 28th at Lumen Field. More info at 710sports.com slash win. And joining me right now on the Essequa Pest Control Hotline, the one, the only, Dave Wyman. Dave, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, Paul. How are you?
0: Looking forward to preseason game number two. Hoping that there will actually be some, you know, starters of consequence in this game. Looking forward to a lively atmosphere at Lumen Field since we know we're probably not going to see a whole lot of what we're hoping to see in the regular season in this game, what's the thing that you're going to be focusing on the most on Saturday night?
1: Well, the preseason for me is always not so much about any kind of scheme or offense or defense. It's about individual players. So, and you know, for me, I think corner is still really important that somebody really emerges. And, to me, so far, I don't think it's there's really been anybody that has sort of risen to the top. Um, I talked to Pete, and we're gonna air, we did an interview with Pete yesterday. Nice, and it's going to be on at uh, at two o'clock. But I asked him about Trey Brown just because he had said earlier that Trey is one of the guys who hasn't made a lot of mistakes. Like nothing bad has stood out, whereas everybody else, you know, everybody has you know bad plays and he was saying it more about him, you know, positive about him than it was about, um, you know, anybody, other guys making mistakes, but I just kind of caught my ear a little bit. So I, I talked to, asked him a little bit about Trey Brown and, um you know, I, I think he's kind of interesting, but yeah, that that's probably the biggest thing for me is corner. I mean, we saw some pretty good stuff from the pass rush. I think they have the talent to get that done. That doesn't really worry me. And then, you know, as far as the offense goes, I, I just, I feel like it's, It's not going to – you're probably – I don't If it was me, and I'd ask you this, Paul, would you put Russ in for, like, a series or two where there are quick passes, there are handoffs, there's just – you know, you get him out of the way, you get the ball out of his hand, it would just be nice to see that, but I'm not sure if we're going to get that or not.
0: I'd like to see that, too, especially if it is those things, assuming that you can keep Russell upright, because, yeah, in live game action, probably a little bit different to get the ball out quickly than in camp, where, of course, you got to make sure that you're not even touching Russell Wilson, because you're not having joint practices or anything like this at this point in yeah. time. Uh, one of the other things, too, I as far as the offense goes, there's only really one thing that I'm curious about, and... They opened the game passing as much as they did, and Rashad Penny didn't play in that game. I I really want to see Rashad Penny get some touches because I do think that if you're coming off of a torn ACL, that it's probably in your best interest to get out there and to experience contact again so that you feel more and more confident cutting and doing all the things that you're supposed to do as a running back.
1: Yeah, Bob and I talked about him yesterday just because you know, I, I feel like him and LJ Collier, Collier are are players that we need to see. Like those guys need to go out and really prove something. And you know, I think because both of them are not really starters, and both of them are first round draft choices, and it's something that you know, I, I feel like you get lots of pressure. And like I said in the broadcast last week, I was telling Kurt Menefy, I was glad to be a second rounder, man. <laughs> you know, first rounders, there's a lot of pressure on here. You. you get, you know, there's lots of expectations and you know, and, if, and I think, I think, uh, like LJ Collier, he's just a year behind. I mean, last year he had what he should have had in his rookie year, but he was injured. So, so he's got a lot to prove. I think Penny's got a lot to prove still. I mean, they're kind of counting. you talk to some people, I feel like he's unproven and, you know, and maybe that's wrong because when he does get in and he is healthy, he's really good. Uh, it's just that Agreed. he's had a hard time with that, that part of it. So, um, yeah I don't know I, I guess I, I kind of feel like he needs to show us something. I feel like uh, yeah Collier, those two guys, uh, you know, I'd love it if we came out of that game and we're talking about those two guys the way we were talking about D. J. Dallas, Alton Robinson, Rasheem Green, and Ryan Neal last week.
0: Dave Wyman of Wyman & Bob with me on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline. They're going to have Pete Carroll on the show at 2 o'clock this afternoon. You mentioned first-round pick versus second-round pick. Well, let's shift to a guy that I know has definitely caught your eye, and you've been on this guy from the get-go. It's Jordan Brooks, the first-round pick of last year. We saw a lot of him in preseason game number one. What's the biggest difference that you notice in him from last year to where he's at right now? Well,
1: not a lot. I mean, he made a lot of plays last year. I mean, he did not look like a rookie. By the end of the year, that San Francisco game that was played down in Arizona, I mean, and on that field, just in general, he made a lot of plays. Because when they went down and played Arizona, it, it, his coverage skills are what really. And I talked to him about it, and he was like, I, "I, I said, is it fair to say that you didn't really play any zone coverage in college?" And he said, "Yeah, it's true. I, I did not. I, I was a spy guy on the quarterback or." man-to-man coverage, but he understood the concepts of that right away. So um yeah, he was, he was really good. He didn't, you know, he didn't flash in this last game, but he is a really good football player. I, I don't think, I don't see any problems with him at all. I think he's going to be kind of the heir apparent at linebacker. He's got pretty much everything you need. He's super physical. And that's what something I would like to see in this game. You know, I felt like they did a good job defensively taking care of the edges you know they they kind of uh, thwarted a couple of uh, those you know fly sweep edge plays, but up the middle I would like to see some smash mouth defense. You know and and prove that this team can be really physical on defense. They they need that's something that's very important. And I don't care you know what you say. I like the basic things like Pete Carroll. He's like run the ball and be physical on defense. Everybody thinks he's kind of this new age guy, but I think he's old school that way. And I think this defense needs to prove to to everybody, the rest of the NFL, that you know it's you want to be one of those teams that like you know when opposing teams play them, they're like those guys will hit you. You know that's that's the kind of uh, team that you need to be. I'd like to see them take a step that way.
0: I think we're on the same page on that. We are both at, we have like a little inner barbarian, perhaps one more than the other, but we want to see the physical, ground, old-school football that you have seen in the past. Wyman, I always appreciate you joining me, man. You have yourself a uh, wonderful show. Looking forward to hearing you with Pete Carroll later this afternoon at 2 o'clock and also to hearing you uh, this weekend, too, as we continue to watch the Seahawks go through the preseason. Thanks, Paul.
1: Thanks that for having is- me on. Have a good
0: one. You too. That is Dave Wyman, everybody. Wyman and Bob, of course, coming up at 2 o'clock this afternoon on 710 ESPN Seattle. And again, Pete Carroll going to be joining those two. Up next, we'll get back into the Mariners. Big weekend for them against the Houston Astros. What is your confidence level in them heading into the weekend on the Mariners' sunshine scale 1 through 10? We'll dive through some of your tweets, your texts, and you can call in to 206-421-3776. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Don't go anywhere.
2: You are listening to Paul Gallant,
0: powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
2: Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN
0: Seattle. Seattle. 710 710 Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. So
3: negative, get out of here. Not even being that negative. I think they might be talking about Robert. Oh,
0: Robert, yeah.
3: Perhaps I he should. He did not have. get a good reaction to his phone call, which is understandable. There's nothing wrong with the relief pitching.
0: Look, Robert's a, a, a usual customer on the Paul Gallant show. But I probably should have been a little rougher uh, with him today, you know. Perhaps, uh, you know, if this is an establishment, every now and then there's somebody who needs to be asked out a little bit earlier. And, uh, yeah, there, there were many things that he said over the course of his call that were, I would just say, downright untrue. The one that jumped out to me, too, though. It's like this, this constant comparison of Scott Service to Lupinella. Lupinella is, is a manager from a different era, too. I, I don't know if Lupinella necessarily works in 2021. I suppose you can make the argument that Tony La Russa is working in Chicago, but I don't know that that's Tony La Russa as much as it. that is a young baseball team that over time has turned into what it currently is this year, which is one of the better teams in the American League, though the Mariners took two out of three against them. How about that? A text. One texter asked, and I think this has to do with Evan White, what's going to happen? I'm trying to read it. Here we go. Do, do, do. What do you think happens when and if Evan White comes back? What do they do with Ty France? And what do they do? What do they do with Evan White? I don't think Ty France is ever going to leave first base. I actually don't. I suppose that there is some flexibility of being able to move Abraham Toro to third base in a post- Kyle Seeger world. You could maybe move Toro, uh, excuse, me, you could maybe move France to second, or you could move France over to third. I gotta say though, he's a pretty good defender, which I'm surprised by. And I think that Evan White's defense has been overrated a tad as far as not his actual ability. He's a great defender. But how important is it to have a great defensive first baseman if the guy can't hit? Hopefully White will be able to hit. Last year, this year, there have been injuries, obviously. But I'm at the point right now where I'm I'm not even really operating with Evan White in mind if I'm the Mariners. I suppose that you keep them on the back burner and you hope that if you keep simmering, eventually that can turn into some delicious uh, caramelized onions or something like that, which are great if you've never had them. But you know, I'm not I'm not looking for that out of him anymore. Kyle Lewis is the one that I'm I'm wondering about down the stretch, and he did take batting practice. I believe it was um, uh, last Friday. He, he hit some home runs, but. How close is he to returning to the lineup, and and do you really want to rush him back for this season? You still have to play the long game if you are this Mariners team because I think we're all in agreement that they're not a World Series contender. They could shock all of us, I suppose. Maybe the possibility is now a little bit more in existence than it had been, but I, I think if we look at this offense and we're being objective and honest, there are some real limitations here. That said... As far as this weekend series, I am more confident than I thought I would be going into any Houston series this year, just based off of the way Houston has handled the Mariners over the last couple of seasons. So, confidence level, I'm at a 4.9999998. Couldn't go all the way up. I suppose you could round up, and that's a five, and that is me sitting exactly on the fence. I am slightly leaning off of the fence on this one. Houston's a good baseball team, but... Based off of, I would just say, a lot of people in Houston that I am trust uh, that I find trustworthy with their baseball opinions. This team is not playing particularly well right now. They have some injuries, so this is a good time for the Mariners to take on Houston. And they're coming off of seven wins in nine games, a three-game sweep. They're ten games above five hundred. I mean, this is this is probably the best moment. Just individually looking at the standings, looking at this point of the season that we've had in Mariners baseball in quite some time. 7-10, 7-10 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. I love the direction the franchise is going and their dedication to staying on course, but I don't think the top of the rotation or the lineup can hold up against Houston. I'm with you, but they are not fully loaded Houston. There's no Alex Bregman, who they've been playing with for the most part without the entirety of this year. And I think Bregman's one of the best third basemen in baseball. They're also doing it, at least for now, without Kyle Tucker, who hasn't exactly been all that he was billed to be as a prospect, but has been has been pretty good. So they're still really good, but this is a good time to go up against them. And honestly, you're going to be going up against them a lot in the coming weeks. You got in their next six series, three opportunities against the Houston Astros, two of them in Houston. And on top of that, you also have one series right here at T-Mobile Park. Text in 710-710. I wanted to keep this in the back, but we do have to address it. Paul, the Diego Castillo trade from Tampa Bay is another example of why you never get pitchers from them. They are never as good. The Mariners haven't had good luck trading with them. It's interesting that Jerry Depoto has made a lot of trades over the course of his career with the Tampa Bay Rays. I believe that was trade number 13, if I am remembering correctly. That is part of it. There is also this factor, which maybe makes it a little bit more rational to trade with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is terrified of paying players. They don't have the money. And when things start to get into arbitration, even if a player is under team control, you're still going to have to start spending towards $10 million a year per year to keep them. And I'm guessing the Rays looked at Diego Castillo's bod and are not feeling it. At least that's what the report said. So you could see why Tampa Bay was willing to move on from him. He clearly has not been Kendall Graveman. The hope is that he, like a couple of other guys that the Mariners have stashed in their back pocket, Ken Giles, who I'm not excited about at all, are going to be able to come back after Tommy John's surgery and give the Mariners some extra gas in the bullpen. 7-10, 7-10, on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Every year, a team gets hot and goes further in the playoffs than anyone expected. Maybe the Mariners could be that team. Don't give up hope. Soto. Mojo, baby. They have a lot of team slogans over time that have involved Mojo, if I'm not mistaken. I got to say, I kind of want to distance myself from the word Mojo, just given the amount of times that Mike McCarthy's been using it on hard knocks. I know Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl and all, but, you know, making reference to whether it's the past with the Mojo, obviously, that the Mariners once had a long, long time ago. Or, you know, Austin Powers references. They don't, you know, they're not exactly holding up particularly well. But perhaps they can recapture it. I'm not expecting it, but I do think that this is going to be an entertaining series this weekend against the Houston Astros. Whether they lose 2-3, or win 2-3, or sweep them, or get swept, the thing that we saw the last time around is that they lingered in every single one of those games. I do expect that to happen. It's just a matter of Mitch Hanniger, his bat, can it wake up? I think he's going to be the biggest difference this weekend. Very much looking forward to it. we got a game tonight. I believe it's at 5 o'clock. And also a Seahawks game to get to Saturday night and a couple of other Mariner afternoon games against Houston that we'll be discussing. Hope you guys had a wonderful Friday with me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Big thanks to Dave Wyman, who stopped by in the sports pit. Don't forget, Wyman and Bob are going to have Pete Carroll on at 2 o'clock. Big thanks to Maura Dooley, who makes this thing happen every single day. The callers, the texters, the tweeters. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell. Have yourselves a wonderful Friday. I will be back Tuesday. Go Mariners.